Hey, friend, and welcome back to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. On today's episode, with it being kind of the first topical episode of 2024, I'm going to dive into addressing the fact that I know a lot of you are probably setting goals for your family in the upcoming year. You might be setting them for yourself and your own health, but I know firsthand as a mom that we all look to New Year's for fresh opportunities to also just improve different areas of our life, and that includes that of our children. And so in today's episode, I want to dive into that delicate balance that we as moms face between making and preparing and offering nutritious meals with our kids' taste preferences. So I want to be guiding you through this process of how we craft meals that are going to fuel our children's health while also satisfy their ever-changing palates. And in doing so, we're going to unpack some actionable strategies that Proactive moms like you at the beginning of the year who really want some practical, tactical takeaways can immediately implement so that in your eagerness to start the new year on the right foot, you can see how you can begin to transform some of those mealtime struggles into moments of joy and nourishment. So in today's episode, we're going to explore how understanding your child's evolving palate becomes a powerful ally in preparing meals for your family and meals that not only nourish, but also appeal to your kids so that you're not putting in all the work up front to prepare these healthy meals that then your child refuses. I know firsthand how frustrating that is. And so I want to give you a taste, no pun intended, of how we can work to effectively integrate healthy foods into our kids' favorites while also still fostering positive eating habits that are productive and are helping our kids learn to like new foods over time. So I hope that this will be a good kickoff episode for you. I know firsthand, I feel like it's just a good refresher, even for me. And so I'm excited to just have you join me on this journey as we turn mealtimes into an adventure where we can help our kids learn how to make healthy choices while still having happy faces. Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. Let's go ahead and jump in so we can make the most of our time together today. Because as we look at this concept of kind of how do we juggle or how do we balance the nutrition that we know our kids need and what they'll actually eat or what the foods that they prefer are, Because I can tell you that this is at the crux of what made me start Veggies and Virtue. Because yes, as a pediatric dietitian, but also now a mom of three, I understand this firsthand. I started out motherhood with my firstborn being so aspirational about what she was going to eat, what I was going to expose her to, and thinking she was just going to be this poster child for pediatric nutrition. And clearly God had other plans for her and our family and ultimately my own professional development because it's dramatically influenced the way that I interact with my clients, the way that I serve families, and how I show up and the ideas I come up with. Because I'm not looking at just the nutrition. Well, of course, I'm passionate 
And I think it's very purposeful for us to be making sure our kids' nutritional needs are met. I also really want to help equip parents in what does that balance or juggling look like when we look at not just the nutrition, but also some of just the food preferences that our kids have. So as we look at this, I really want to encourage you with something that I always go back to. And that's the phrase that nutrition is a science, but feeding or eating is an art. I don't think of it so much as a balance, as in like a scale that needs to be in balance between nutrition and our kids' food preferences, nor something that we have to juggle that even just saying the word as a mom kind of stresses me out and piques my anxiety because I feel that. I feel that in motherhood, that need to have this juggling act. And that's not the feeling I want myself to have or any of you moms listening to have when you think about feeding your family. I don't want it to be one that's stress-inducing. I don't want it to be one where you feel like, oh man, how do we ever keep this in balance? How do we ever even it out? Because I think that perpetuates so many of the problems that we're seeing in our world with diet culture and with, you know, kind of eat this to make up for this or do this to cover this. And I just think that balance word and that juggle word is not really the right articulation for what we really want to say. And to me, what I think is it's a dance and I have no <laughs> rhythm at all, nor are you ever going to hear me sing. But I just think of the dance that there's a rhythm to it and there's a groove to it that just makes it kind of flow. And I think of being parents and how we step on toes all the time. Our kids are going to step on ours. And quite honestly, in those early days, you think of a daughter maybe standing on her dad's feet as he steps and hers are on his stepping in step with him. But as we learn and as we grow together, we learn how to take steps that are in step together. And that's really how I visualize this process and what I want you to go into today's episode, envisioning yourself, because I think it's going to help you to capitalize even more on that importance of considering both aspects, but not in a way that puts unrealistic New Year's resolutions on your shoulders or one more ball in the juggling act that you're trying to keep afloat, but instead that helps you to understand what does this dance look like and how can you help your family get into a groove with it? So I want to start out by talking about kids' food preferences because this was by far one of the first pieces of humble pie I had to eat as a parent because even though I knew the research, I've been educated, and I have an undergraduate degree in nutrition, a graduate degree in public health. I've done plenty of practicum hours, and, and yet all of my education and training still left me ignorant, honestly, to the fact of how children's taste preferences evolve, because I still felt such a personal responsibility for it as a parent. It was something I thought about in that first trimester when I had so much morning sickness that the only thing I wanted to eat were Cheetos, Fritos, and grapes. I kid you not. And I remember thinking about, oh my goodness, when I'm predisposing my baby in utero to and the influences on her, on her palate. And I was thinking about all of those things from conception on. So I'm someone who was cognizant of what are some of those influences on the development of a child's taste preferences. And then as I breastfed, and as we introduced solids in infancy, continued to expose my firstborn to different foods, I very quickly saw that, yes, there are some innate things that kids are born with or exposed to in utero, and that genetically they're going to be predisposed to, 
or just in terms of family and lifestyle dynamics, they're going to be influenced by. And so as parents, we can recognize there's a lot of different things that impact the development of our children's taste preferences and how those evolve. My concern and really my concentration of this episode today is less to explain that to you. And maybe if it's of interest, I'm happy to do an episode getting into the nitty gritty on that. But what I see more purposeful to parents is not just understanding how that process of food preferences are formed, but instead accepting what they actually look like in our kids. Because as parents very early on, we see our kids' food preferences. We notice the way that they lean to prefer some foods over others. We observe these again and again and again from infancy on. And yet so often, especially with the families that I talk to and I work with day after day, I recognize that we can see that these are happening, but we so often refuse honor that they exist. So why does this matter? Why does this matter when we look at this dance between offering our kids sound nutrition and honoring their preferences? Because I can tell you firsthand, I'm going to speak from personal experience today rather than sharing some anecdotes from clients, but I can tell you firsthand, having followed the exact blueprint I thought would raise this perfect eater who loved kale chips and wanted to eat all the salmon in the world and, you know, was favorable of quinoa, whatever, early on in life, that was just not the reality. I think one of my biggest reality checks early on was when we would show up to church. We're at a small little community church at the time, and my daughter would walk straight to the snack counter where they kept the goldfish. Wasn't something I bought in the house, but she'd go straight there. And I remember thinking, we just fed her breakfast. And of course, I fed her a nutritious, wholesome breakfast before church. And it was a Sunday, so we actually had time to like really go all out with it. And then when we show up at church, she's standing there with some of the very limited vocabulary that she had at the time, asking for goldfish crackers. And so I'm sharing these examples from my own life because I think it's important for us to see that kids are going to be wired how they're wired. They're going to have their different food inclinations. And while, yes, we can spend extensive time talking about why and how those develop, what I think is more purposeful and what is more productive is for us to tune in to what those preferences are and for us to acknowledge what exists so we know how we can begin to expand on those preferences rather than constantly be in conflict or be fighting against them all for the sake of health or all in the name of nutrition. So what I want you to understand about your kid's palate is, yes, there might be things that historically, developmentally, environmentally, genetically might have impacted their taste preferences. There's nothing you can do about it. What your child's taste preference is, as of today, is what it is. Give yourself grace. Recognize maybe some of the things that maybe you did have a chance to influence. No, and I don't say control. I definitely tried to control it myself and that didn't work. But instead, I really want to encourage you to observe it so that you know how to move forward in a dance, in a rhythm with the nutrition that you want to promote and the food preferences that you know please. So some of the ways that we can do this as parents is, again, not pushing our own nutritional ideals, but instead being in tune with the foods that our kids willingly eat. 
Because what we know in nutrition science to be true and what is really impactful as we look at the family's feeding environment, raising kids who have healthy relationships with food, promoting this concept of what is often called eating competence, which really means that your child is competent to eat in a variety of different situations. What we really see here is that, yes, it matters what foods are being offered, but it also matters what the feeding environment feels like. Are you or your child approaching the table with anxiety? Or does your child know, hey, yeah, my mom or dad provides me regular routine eating opportunities. There's a lot of foods available. And there's going to be some that I'm still learning to like. And there's going to be a lot that I know I love. And so I can come to the table calm and confident and competent to learn to like new foods. And that process is going to look different for each child. But when we can stop that anxiety cycle from spiraling, but instead come and sit at the table in a rhythm with each other and not constantly stepping on toes, but instead looking at how do we do this dance together, we're going to see so many more steps in the right direction of our kids' health and in meeting their nutritional needs than we are by just trying to force some of these quote-unquote healthy foods down their throat. Not literally, but I think you understand the expression. So really what I want you to take away from this is how can you begin tuning in to what some of your child's favorite foods are? This might look like the textures that they love most, the colors of foods that they favor, or what the flavors are that they seem to gravitate towards. Because as we identify some of these things, we can begin to identify patterns that we can begin building off of. So one of the ways that I want to encourage you to do this is using something like my Love It, Like It, Learning It framework. This isn't something you're familiar with. This is another one from my early days of motherhood bag of tricks. I trademarked it back, gosh, I think in, I don't even remember what year. It's been quite a while now because it was one that just stuck so early on with me. And it really started under the precedence of, I knew what I wanted to serve my daughter. I wanted to serve her what ultimately were all learning at foods. She had not learned to like any of those foods, or what is more commonly said is she didn't like any of those foods. But I was certain that I wanted to help shape her eating habits so that she could learn to like them over time. But the flip side of that coin was all the foods that she loved, those goldfish that she'd run up and ask the lady at church for every Sunday, those love it foods I wasn't truly comfortable with offering as the majority of her diet as a little toddler. And so I had to find what does this dance look like when all her favorite foods are ones I'm not really a fan of, nutritionally speaking, and all the foods that I really want to get her to eat are the ones that I can't even get her to touch. And so I want you to download my Love It Like It Learning It guide. You can go directly to the link in the show notes or go to my site or reach out to me directly. I share this often because I think it's such a clear tool for keeping track of what foods your child loves and eats preferentially, what foods your child likes, and maybe sometimes eats, sometimes doesn't. I call these the 50-50 foods where sometimes they throw us for a loop because we'll say, you ate that yesterday and today you're finicky or Maybe there's a high level of specificity, like a banana or the type of apple or something like that. And then those foods that they're learning to like, those ones that you say, yeah, they don't like that. They don't eat that. They've never touched it. Or it might be the foods that you've never even exposed them to. But by categorizing these different foods, we can begin to do that dance 
a little bit more strategically as we begin creating meals that promote variety and have great nutrition, but also offer them familiar favorites that make them feel comfortable, that make them tune in to their bodies and also to enjoy the eating experience. So every meal is not a power struggle between parent and child, but instead we see that this supportive mealtime setting is going to help perpetuate those healthy eating habits that we're really after. So practically speaking, what does it look like to build nutritious meals that also appeal to kids? What does it look like to do that dance at, say, dinner, a meal that is commonly rejected by kids because there's not familiar or preferred foods, and yet parents can say, I make these healthy meals and they don't touch anything. And so we're completely out of step in this dance together when it's like that at dinner. So what I want you to think about and to challenge yourself to do is how do you begin meal planning and doing meals differently than what you're doing? Because if what you're doing isn't working, then you should change it. I work with clients all the time to ask them, what is working? Because there are things that we don't need to change. There are some things where where you can say, you know what, that's pretty good for right now. That's not where our energy and attention is best spent. But I want you to look at what are those meals or what are those foods that you could begin offering in a different way so that you have Levitt foods available to them. You can include something that you know is a preferred favorite for your child, but also accompany it with something that you know is nutritionally going to offer you or something, your child something that you want them to learn to like. Now, of course, there's a million different strategies on how to get our child to eat that. And that's another episode for another day. And that's what I do week after week in working with one-on-one clients is helping them to track their progress and be intentional with this. And there's different ways that you can become more intentional with your Love It Like It Earning It list once you have the initial list built. But what I really want to encourage and challenge you to do is to make that initial Love It Like It Learning It list. Again, use the link in the show notes, or if you want to just scratch it off on a scratch piece of paper wherever you are right now, just make a simple T-graph, except make three columns. And write out everything that can come to mind and any degree of specificity that you can think of when it comes to what foods your child loves, what what foods your child likes, and what foods your child is learning to like. The more specificity, the better, because again, it's going to help you tune into some of those things like the textures, the colors, the brands, the packaging, anything that's a cue that you say, hey, this is the one that I pick at the store because, and why is it one that your child likes? But then from there, beyond making that list and tuning into some of those kind of what we often refer to as qualifiers, those specific details about the food that your child enjoys most or that exact granola bar that your child would choose preferentially, then beyond that, we take it a step further and we use this love it, like it, learning it framework at meals to include a food that they love, food that they might like, and a food that they're still learning. Now, this is going to ebb and flow depending on the child's feeding temperament, depending on the parent's bandwidth. Sometimes I definitely serve my kids purely love it meals sometimes, especially like my husband's traveling for work and breakfast for dinner it is. There's not a lot of learning at food sometimes. That's life and that's okay. School lunch boxes are a key time that I usually don't really challenge kids because we need to know that they have the nutrition that is safe and comfortable to them in the school setting. But there are times and there are opportunities for your family where you can begin to take a look at where could we optimize the nutrition a little bit better while still honoring their taste preferences? And let's be more intentional. It might just be one meal a week 
that you start out by saying, we're going to try, love it, like learning it at this meal. Make sure it's not the one where your kid's already melting down because it's, you know, an hour past you meant to have dinner and you got home late and you're scrambling to do things. No, that's not the time. Think about it intentionally and say, Saturday morning breakfast, when we have time, when the feeling at the meal is pleasant, and when we can really engage and make this a positive, productive experience, let's make that meal the love it, like it, learning it. So I'm going to incorporate a new learning it food to breakfast, which is often a really familiar, favorable time for kids to learn to like some new foods. But as parents, what do we so often do? We concentrate on dinner when everyone's already tired and at their wits end and just wanting to get kids bathed into bed. And so look at it differently, starting with the love it, like it, learning it framework, tuning in with what preferences you know to be true about your child, and then including and incorporating love it, like it meals into your week so that you can begin to encourage healthy eating habits, that you can begin to foster this responsive feeding approach that is in tune and is in step with your child. And yet you can continue to take that step as the parent and as the nutritional gatekeeper to say, I know my role in feeding. I know that I get to decide what food is offered, when food is offered, and where food is offered. But I want to do it in a way that is responsive and in a rhythm with my child that helps promote healthy eating habits by continuing to expose them to new foods while also still honoring their known preferred favorites. So download my free Love It Like It Learning It guide in the show notes. Just click that link. It'll give you the chance to download it for free. And that's going to walk you through all these details of what Love It Like It Learning It is, how to begin making that list for your children, and then what you can do to begin incorporating and taking action on this. I want you and your family to be in a rhythm this year. I don't want to give you more balls to juggle each week as you turn, tune into the podcast. And I also don't want you to feel that this is a constant balancing act that any love it food that your child eats that maybe doesn't feel very nutritionally sound has to be counteracted by getting them to eat something else that you have, maybe a health-related objective. That's not what this is about. And that's not what's going to ultimately help form healthy eating habits for our kids. So download the guide. And as always, reach out to me with questions and or for support. It has been a joy having you on the podcast today. And if you've enjoyed it as well, I have a quick favor to ask. Do you mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a written review? This will only take you a hot second, but it truly blesses me every time I get to read what one of you write over there. And it allows me to bless others through this podcast and the episodes to come. The other thing that you can do is to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me over on Instagram at veggies and virtue. I would love to see what action steps that you're taking from this episode and also to support your family in the journey moving forward. Until next time, thanks for coming over to chat at my kitchen counter. Remember that you will always have a seat and a snack waiting for you here. 